Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. Um, Today, I am joined by a guest that I met through Instagram, Sarah O'Neill. And Sarah is a person in long-term recovery and has quite an interesting Instagram feed as well. And her um, user handle will be on the cover art as well as the show notes. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So normally I start out just asking folks a little bit about their background and kind of how they grew up, where they grew up. And it kind of gives us an idea of maybe, you know, how your life started in, um, you know, addiction. So if you could tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, so long story short, I guess, um, you know, my parents, I grew up in a like pretty middle-class household in New Jersey. Um, when I was a sophomore in, no, when I was in middle school, my parents got separated and then they got to, and that I like a tipping point in my life, even though I didn't really know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, like they tried to provide everything they could for us, and, you know, have us be the best we can be and whatever activities we like. At one point I was really into like acting and modeling. I did pageants. So it was, you know, pretty good. Um, and then you know, after their divorce, that's when things kind of slowly started going downhill a little bit. I started more on my own, wanted to do my own thing and just felt less connected to them, I guess, too. And started like, not necessarily isolating, but kind of like experimenting and doing different things. Um, And then, you know, high school, like I had my first drink when I was, I want to say about 17. Okay. Um, You know, it, the progression was there, but it started really slow, at least in high school. Um, I was going to a friend's bonfire, like once a month we'd have a bonfire, but like, I, I say this in meetings a lot. I remember like going to like, I think this was my first bonfire too, that I went with, with my friend and I'm still friends with her to this day, which is miraculous. We've been through a lot together. Um, but like we, I remember just being hungover and going to like IHOP the next day and that feeling of like, oh my God, I survived. I'm hungover. Like. I don't know. There was some like euphoria about that feeling for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm also too. Oh, now I can eat a lot. And I don't know. There was something about that feeling, and also just enjoying like having as much alcohol without any like parameters and stuff. Um, but yeah. So, um, I mean, so my my drinking didn't really start and like to really progress a lot until I was in college. Um. And, like, I didn't think it was bad at the time because, you know, when you're in college, it's okay. Sure. Uh, so, like, freshman year, I almost failed out, but I didn't. And then I became more codependent on, like, a boyfriend I was with. And I didn't drink for a year because I was new to my faith and I didn't feel it was right. And then I was 21 and then, like, 
that's when everything just started to, you know, the drinking slowly progressed. Any excuse I could drink, you know, in college, I drank. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I could keep going too. Yeah, no, Sorry. let's let's stop for a second because I got a couple quick questions. So, one, you're Jersey based. Um, you grew up in South Jersey or North Jersey? Uh, I grew up in Monmouth County. Okay, yeah. So we'll call that Central for people who are not from New Jersey. There's this weird debate about North Jersey, South Jersey, Central Jersey. I don't know. I guess Monmouth falls in Central. Um, but that's a pretty, you know, uh, you got the shore down there and it is very like year round party kind of vibe. Um, so I can, I can see the bonfires and all that kind of thing. And, um, and then did you stay in state for school? Yes, but I went to North Jersey actually. Okay. Okay. So again, Jersey colleges tend to have a lot of, uh, you know, I went to school and that's where I really started drinking too, was in college in New Jersey at NJIT. And all we had was like fraternity parties. There wasn't a lot else to do. You know, it wasn't like this, well, it's in Newark. So there wasn't like a big town to go out and it's not like I was, you know, it, at, uh, you know, in Boston or, or New York city, which probably would have been worse, but okay. So that's that. And then, um, and your parents got got divorced when you were uh, still in high school. Yeah, okay. they officially. I was in high school. Okay. So. Okay. Good. That was uh okay. So that's where we're at. So now you're in college. You're twenty one. Well, then you're out of college. You're twenty one. You mentioned your faith. So at that point, you had a boyfriend. Did you find kind of a new religion at that point, or were you already sort of religious before that, or what happened at that point? Um. So yeah, I was. Well, I had met my boyfriend, I guess, early in that freshman year, like, or that spring of that freshman year. And that was, like, the fall, I think, is when I almost, like, failed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so growing up, I was Jersey. I think this is pretty typical in Jersey. Like, my dad's Catholic. My mom's Jewish. But I was raised Jewish like my mom. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it got to the point where I was just, like, memorizing things. And there was, nothing, like, no meaning to it. I felt like I was almost pleasing. Like, I guess those people behaviors kind of came up mm-hmm. even um and you know i just with when i met my ex and everything like his mom was a christian and that was like attractive to me and, you know just talking about how she would pray for us and like all these different things and i guess it's part like rebellion too of like you know this isn't what i grew up with this is something different and you know i i like it and i want to do my own thing so that's kind of what it was i think at the time but eventually it kind of became like a key for me, especially in my recovery. Okay. And so 21 drinking ramps up, but you have some uh, religion behind you. How long do you go and and how bad does that path take you with the drinking? So ironically, my ex had an uncle who was an alcoholic. And at the time, like I didn't think I had a problem. I was, you know, very much like like young and stupid and everything. And, um, so like we had to watch when we were drinking around him, like as much as it was like progressing, like I said, it was like very slow, like, you know, anytime I could, like when I was in my dorm, I remember like, I'd be having like a, um, like a bottle of a Malibu babies while I'm doing homework and like whatnot. And then like, you know, like I could stop when I needed to, I felt like at that point though. And, you know, and I think like when I moved home after college, like. My mom might have kind of seen the signs that maybe it was going, 
a little off because I actually ended up moving with my dad after that. So it was like a lot of like back and forth and then I'd stay with my ex. But when that ended, that was the official tipping that relationship. And then I was like, oh, like I got to miss the days of going out because I was so codependent on him. Like, you know, I didn't really do typical college thing that, um, then I was like really off to the races, partying all the time. Like, that, and that's when like, the progression really began for me. Okay. And were you down the, the, by the Bahamas area at that point still? Yeah. Just huh. trying to keep up with work and what I was doing. And at the time I had a blog too, which I think was like, my way of escaping the relationship in a way because mm-hmm. um, like I, you know it did get pretty unhealthy and um it was just like my way to escape and kind of be creative and it was like a food blog it was called small shape big deals i had it for seven years so i started it when i was in college i interned for rachel ray and like you know i had all these influences that probably weren't the best for me that you know promoted drinking and you know alcohol use i never really got into drug use surprisingly Okay. So were you working in the restaurant industry then too, down in that area? Like before it ended, like before I got sober, um, that's where I was at. I was trying to work on the line, do different things in restaurants, started to not get welcomed at certain places. So that was also a sign. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough life. I mean, I, um, I've never worked really in restaurants, but I kind of, well, I read Kitchen Confidential, the Anthony Bourdain book, and obviously you hear a lot of the stories of chefs and cooks, and that lifestyle really kind of revolves around alcohol, and for me, it would have been a nightmare. Uh, You know, I just know it would have been a nightmare, so I'm glad I never went down that road, but um, I love cooking now, and I would totally open like a restaurant at this point in my life because i think i could handle it but um so you would that was what you were doing um we'll get to what you do now but we'll get to that later um so you're you're having you have a job but it sounds like maybe it's a little bit up and down how how long did you go 21 until what point did you finally say enough's enough and and find some sort of pathway to recovery oh so like I said, it was like kind of moderate, 21, I want to say to like 24, and then 24 to like maybe 23, because I always think it's like less than it was, but then I think about it, and I'm like, no, it was definitely like an extra year. It just really took time to kick up. So like 23 to 27 mm-hmm. was like when it got really bad, like after that relationship. And I also kind of left that faith. You know, I went, like I like to say around like over Christmas, like I went back into the world, I kind of was you know, forget God, I don't need him, I'm going to do my own thing, build my own empire, be the next Rachel Ray, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, but towards, like, 2016, um, at one of the restaurants, actually, I was able to get and, like, meet one of these ladies. Uh, her name was Hannah, actually, and, like, she ended up being a Christian in one of the restaurants where I was hosting. And, like, I drank, like, a fish there after, like, she saw my drinking, and luckily, um, uh, like a 12-step fellowship and uh, you know she was able to become friends with me and you know slowly kind of like I got fired from like a job down here um, like I want to say like that June of 2015 or 2016 it's kind of fuzzy exactly remember when but like you know I was able to reach out to her when I was ready to go back to church I still didn't stop drinking then but like it was like after I got baptized that was when like 
I finally felt conviction about my drinking. You know, is it really right? You know, doing the right thing. You know, and then finally, um, I ended up getting a DUI. And ironically, that day on like my Instagram that I had at the time, I posted like, "God put your supernatural on my natural." <laughs> that wasn't the way I expected. Mm. It was, you know, it, I told myself I'd never get a DUI. I'd driven drunk so many times, like especially places where you normally would get a DUI. Like I don't know how it never happened sooner. Um, and you know, I I definitely didn't moderate that day. And, um, so that kind of, you know, landed me into recovery. You know, I had a intervention at home that night. Like my parents had me throw out all my alcohol. I had like taken over my dad's house with uh you know, all the alcohol I had, because that, like, towards the end of that point, too, like, on my blog, I was doing demos of cocktails, so I'd buy, like, anything I could, I was working at a liquor store, like, it was extreme, um, and, like, so that happened, so I went a month trying to do it on my own, and it didn't really work out very well, and then, um, one of the girls I know actually posted on Facebook saying that she had some time. And I was like, how are you doing this? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I've been eating, like, ice cream all week. Like, like living sober stuff that gets you by. Like, that's how I made it the first month. And then, um, like, right around Memorial Day, I don't remember the exact date, but it was, like, one of the days I was working at the liquor store. My, like, last drink, my last drunk was a DUI, but my last drink was, like, a sip of tequila. But, like, I felt guilty. Even though I hadn't really, I like I came into the like twelve step fellowship after that, um, like literally that week Memorial Day, but like I still felt guilty. I still felt weird. I was like, what is this doing to me? Like it just doesn't feel right. But like part of me wanted to like have a sip and see if I could handle it. And that's when I like I officially it up. So like my sober date's been May nineteenth of twenty seventeen, and you know I'm really thankful that sober. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's been quite a while then. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that you had the experience of the DUI, but without that, you know, it could have gone on longer. It could have got worse. There could have been something else, right? Everybody's bottom is different. And I've heard some really, you know, really, really low bottoms. And some people's, you're like, wow, that wasn't a bottom, but to them it is. And, you know, um, I myself, I same thing, you know, drove drunk, never got a DUI. And, you know, I look back and I, I want to like, sort of punish myself for that behavior. I can't change it, right? I can only help people avoid it moving forward. But, um, you know, and, you know, so you you had that happen, then you found AA, Um, you obviously had some faith already. So, um, my question to you is because I went into AA and I struggled with that part of the program. Was it was it easy for you to dive in because of that, or was it still tricky? It was like a little bit of both, give and take. Because like, I, like you know, even to this day, like I, like as much as because even like you know, the alcoholic brain never leaves. <laughs> So it's like, you know, I know that, like, my way of thinking doesn't work. So I was like, okay, like, I know the results of what used to happen. Like, why don't I just try something else? Like, um, and it's pretty cool because um, I'll mention it, I guess, now, like, what I do. I'm, like, an intern, uh, CADC intern. 
drug and alcohol counselor intern, and I'm actually working towards my master's in social work. Very um, good. So it's, like, awesome to be able to help other people and, like, you know, take the book wisdom and also take it from, like, experience when I hear someone struggling with something and I'm like, you know, why don't you, you know, try something else or say no to something you normally say yes to and challenge yourself a little bit. Like, for me, that was, like, a big thing, especially being, like, a yes person, too. I mentioned, like, people-pleasing was has always been a big thing for me, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm a child of divorce. It's a trait of kids with divorce. And then I also was a child of an alcoholic. So that's like a people pleaser all through and through. Um, so I 100% get it. Um, did you, when you went into the 12 step program, um, did you like dive head first in and find a sponsor and do the whole 12 steps or did you kind of take it slow? What was your progression like? for those out there? Um, well, I wasn't really scared of them. The only one, the only step that scared me coming in was nine, honestly. Cause like, I just thought of all the bad stuff I did. I was like, I don't want to have to talk to certain people or what if I'm going to have to talk to, you know, you know who, but then, you know, people kept reminding me, you know, that's nine. You don't have to worry about it. You're just coming in. Um, I don't know. It was like relatively slow, I guess. Um, because I had one sponsor, and then she ended up, uh, we ended up, like, breaking up, and then she ended up going out. So then, like, I had another sponsor who I had for a couple of years and through COVID. Um, and, like, I got through the steps with her. But it wasn't, like, an experience like I imagined. Because, like, um, I met my husband after 90 days. So that was, like... Luckily, like, my first sponsor, you know, understood we were doing things differently. He's a Christian, too, so we were very, like, you know, trying to do it the Christian way and, you know, not rush things. And um, so, like, you know, I never heard anything. And I had really, like, even before doing inventory, really prayed about, like, what I wanted in a relationship and really thought about it because, you know, that was another thing. Um, so, uh, like, my fourth step definitely I took, like, three to four months doing. I got my fifth step done, like, right before my bachelorette party, and then, like, I did my fifth step with my sponsor, and I don't know if it was my body's response to it, but I got sick. Mm. <laughs> and I had to reschedule my, ba my bachelorette. <laughs> so that was, like, really embarrassing, but I don't know if it was, like, my body. I swear, like, my body was just like, oh, my God, you just let all this out. And honestly, like, I just did my fifth step second time around with my, like, current sponsor that I've had for, like, about a year or two now. Um... And it was a much better experience. Because <laughs> well, yeah. I was awful. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was so mad. Like, I couldn't meditate properly. And I like the way my new sponsor did it, too. Yeah. And you're in a different spot. I mean, you have time and, you know, wisdom that you didn't have probably when you did it the first time. So it's, it, you know, everything's going to be a little bit different. And, you know, your body will react differently. Um you know, you you just mentioned you met your husband uh, ninety days around ninety days in. Is uh, you know, what's that like? Is he supportive of your recovery? Does he understand your path? Like, is he all bought in, or was that like a surprise? Um, no, he's actually in recovery too. Okay, okay. Me, but you know, the longer we have more time together, it's definitely you know, 
interesting and it can be a challenge just like you know because we both have grown in like so many different ways um but you know like we also have like those things to like go back to and it might be a little hard sometimes and especially being someone who works in the field like having boundaries and stuff and knowing when to say and what to say and stuff sometimes um it's definitely a challenge but we're definitely supportive you know like we didn't know each other when we were out there so i think that's really good and positive for our relationship yeah, that is probably good. I mean, listen, you both have tools, which is great because in a lot, of, a lot of relationships, people don't have any tools to rely on and then the relationships get tricky, right? So, um, you know, my wife still drinks and not not a lot. She never had a problem. So, um, you know, she can still have, you know, a glass of wine and then just cut it off. Um, but, you know, we did go to therapy together, which gave us tools so that like when we have issues, we can kind of work through them together as a couple and i think that you know the 12-step programs or smart or whatever the program is does give people uh you know a tool set to kind of deal with just life's challenges so you know i would they're just kind of good ways to live you know if anybody's like struggling with how their life is going even if you don't have an alcohol problem like the 12 steps are pretty good format for putting your life together i think Um, so then, you know, you've obviously been in recovery a while. When did you decide that you wanted to make it your work? So actually early on, um, I really liked meetings and I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know if I was praying or meditating, but I just felt like, like, so at the time when I first got sober, I worked at the liquor store after 90 days, my dad finally welcomed me back to work for his business, which I had completely like blown you know, blown up when I was out there, uh, when I was going through those jobs, that was one of the places. And I ended up working there for two years and I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. i never wanted to take over the family business. Um, but I was going to meetings and I just felt like, you know, it would be cool to get into the field. And, um, so I started from the bottom, um, at the facility that I still work at. Um, I started as a tech. And I, you know, I've gone up as a counselor intern. At first, they even had me be a tech and a counselor through the pandemic. And that was crazy because it was like doing both jobs were exhausting in different ways. Um, but it was definitely a good experience. And I've been like full-time counseling as an intern for like maybe, I, I think about two years now. So it's definitely, it's a humbling experience. Like there's always something to learn. There's always things you need to be on top of, paperwork and you know, just trying to, you know, reach different clients in different places. And, and honestly, like, I hate to say it, but, like, you know, the, everyone keeps getting sicker with the way things are out there. Like, it's, you know, like a different monster right now with the drugs and just mental illness and everything. So it's, like, being prepared every day to handle anything that happens. Yeah, yeah, it is getting worse. I um, <clears throat> I work part-time in a recovery uh, center up here in Sussex County, so Northwest Jersey, and we have very, you know, uh, a lot more patients. You know, it seemed like it was, you know, COVID was like slow because I think people were just stuck at home and not reaching out. And then it was just like this explosion. And I think it just kind of continues to get worse and worse and worse. And um, there's not enough people to actually help with the people that need help i mean from a mental health standpoint for sure you know finding people counselors or therapists is super hard 
And then, you know, even recovery coaches or people to help in that, in our, in our center. I mean, I think we're, you know, always running on a razor's edge, you know, um, and it, cause it's, it's challenging work too. I mean, it, it wears you out, you know, you, you're taking on a lot and you're somebody in recovery, you want to give it back, but it, it, it's tiring. So how have you been dealing with it? Pretty good so far? Um, I mean, it was definitely a challenge. It's been a challenge the past couple of years. I'm actually coming up on like four years there this month. Um, and like, you know, I, I've always been a big person who, like a person who loves self-care. And that's been a big thing for me. So last year, um, so I started getting involved with the Phoenix and that's been awesome to have that, you know, sober active community available. Um, I had done CrossFit like way back when I was in my addiction. I don't even remember it. <laughs> I was probably so out of it. Um, so be able to do it sober has been a great experience. And then that kind of propelled me to get into powerlifting, which is like another, like my feed is kind of, you know, I talk about a lot of like holistic things, ways of mental health and addiction, but um, lifting's a big thing that's on my feed. You know, I'll post like my workouts and stuff and PRs that I hit. So that's been like a good challenge, you know, being able to like lift heavy weight in the morning before I go to work has been like stress reliever and even learning about like recovery as an athlete also and like taking those things into consideration um that's been like a game changer for me you know a journey in itself yeah I um I think I probably found you through that hash or some set of hashtags to deal with fitness and sobriety and that's probably how we connected because I you know I myself use fitness as a a tool to help me navigate sort of my mental health and you know crossfit was there and and now i i probably lift just more than crossfit at this point um and i've seen your lifting you know progression and i think it's great i mean you know you obviously are very passionate about it and you share it with the world and it's gonna affect somebody else and you're one of i don't know probably a dozen people that i follow that kind of are in the recovery world, and then really deep into fitness. And I think it's super interesting. You know, the Phoenix is like a touch point for people, but then everybody kind of takes it a different direction. And, you know, mental health, you know, recovery, um, you know, and then just for your longevity. I mean, you know, if you're lifting heavy, you're doing your body a world of good. I mean, all the science backs it up, right? Your bones are going to be stronger, as you get older and it's going to be great for you. And, uh, you know, I just think it's great. Um, are you still involved with the Phoenix or have you kind of splintered off? Uh, actually, so like I was in prep for a little bit cause I had a meet this weekend. Um, it was like my second meet. It was just one lift. Um, but so I've kind of, I had to veer away cause prep's very like intense. You can't do too much, especially like I was, I've been trying to bolt. So you got to watch, cardio so i literally had to do like as prescribed and like take little walks sometimes but i'm hoping to get back to it it's just now i'm like dialed in into like nutrition too like trying to figure out how to navigate through that and i talked a like she's having me do more like bodybuilding but i definitely agree with you though about like the whole longevity thing having strong bones you know being able to be healthy you know not even you know years from now also 
Yeah, I mean, and the nutrition is part of it. And, you know, I think the lifting, I've seen a lot of CrossFitters kind of switch recently. And I don't know if it's just the journey, like I'm on the same sort of uh, journey as them and timing is matching up or what what's happening. But I see a lot of people on my feed who have been very avid CrossFitters kind of go off into either just lifting or maybe they're going to go off into just running or triathlons or something different, right? Like it's just been over the past, I'd say six months I've seen it. And, um, you know, I have a, one of the women that came to my gym, she was doing a big comp and she's been really, really dialed in on these weightlifting comps. It looks like a lot of fun, like definitely more fun than I could have at a CrossFit competition because I can't do half of the movements. <laughs> so. yeah and that's why i'm like lifting like with powerlifting you're only doing squat bench and deadlift so it's like pretty cool like just seeing the progress and having goals within the things like my bench is probably my weakest but i'm like okay that's something to work on and like hone in on once she has me do it again so yeah i'm not very strong so um i just like lifted my base basement and uh, but my dad always would tell me like he was a weightlifting uh, he, he was doing weightlifting comps back in like the seventies and he was very little. So he, for his weight class, he was strong. He was a strong guy. So he was, he had like all these weightlifting trophies growing up, um, which I find funny now. Um, but so that, that's a huge part of your recovery, obviously. Is there anything else that you're doing, you know, in that self-care world? Obviously you're taking care of your nutrition too, which is part of the whole package, but you know, what else is, is going on that's really kind of helping you, um, you know, stay strong in your recovery these days? Well, I mean, I still go to meetings. That's been a thing for me. Um, going to church has been huge. Um, and, you know, this past year hasn't necessarily been easy in that sense either. Like, me and my husband switched churches. That was, like, a whole process in itself. But, you know, we were able to stay sober through it. You know, it's paid off. Um, so just even, like, having that community there. Like, um, community is huge for me in my recovery. Like, whether it's at the gym, in church, going to a Phoenix event. Um, Cause like, you know, I felt alone for so long. I always felt like a black sheep. Um, I love that song by like Matt Kearney. He has, I think it's called one black sheep or something like that. I heard it when I first got sober and it's always resonated with me. Cause like, I always felt like I tried to fit in so much, but I never really fit in. So having those communities where I'm understood and people can at least listen to me, like, you know, especially someone who listens to people all day, every day. Um, you know, it's nice to have that, you know, and, and therapy is big for me, too. Um, you know, I, I was with one therapist for a while. I switched last year. So even, this, you know, figuring out my boundaries with my own therapy and keeping up with it um, is a thing for me. Because, you know, it's always good to, you know, a therapist having a therapist and staying grounded and handling, you know, things that might be bothering me head on. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I've... I've said it on here before i think a lot of people use the classes the gym as their community which is great and you know aa is could be another community but the church and i don't go to church and i probably should and it's you know for me it's a battle an internal battle um but it is a community that i find so strong and I, i've probably said this on on the podcast before but a um, couple of things about it. One, my mom was very active in the church um, after she recovered. 
Um, so she recovered when I was about 18, and she dove headfirst into the church. So I think she was 35 when she recovered. Um, anyway, um, she became a youth minister, and like she had this community based around the church. And some of those people are still in my life now. You know, we wouldn't have known them without the church. And, um, you know, even though my mom's passed, these people still remain. I, and I've seen it at other churches in my, in my area. Um, you know, it's this community that it doesn't cost anything. And the people are so kind and typically welcoming. And I, I just, it's something that I feel like maybe we're not using enough of in our society. You know, like, I'm not saying use it, but like embracing it. I don't know what the word is, but, you know, if I think if people actually went to church more rather than like, you know, trying to find that sense of community somewhere else, be it sports or the gym, like it's, it's there, it's free and there's a, le- a good lesson to be learned and it's wholesome. I just, I don't know. I, I, it's a thing that I think about all the time. So I think it's great that you go and hopefully your, your switch wasn't too hard. I don't know much about switching congregations cause I don't even go. So <laughs> it, it's definitely been helpful, like, you know, especially going through different things, like just in life in general, like having people that are there to like pray with you and be there for you. And, you know, like even, you know, when I had that conviction back when I first, you know, was about to get sober, even though I didn't know it, you know, being able to talk to people and recognizing that as, like, the Holy Spirit. And it was weird because, honestly, this week I was thinking, I'm like, I see all these things about, like, Reiki and tarot all the time. I'm like, I wish, like, a Bible study was as normalized as, like, all these other, you know, modalities. For some reason, it's so, like, looked down upon to some extent. So it's like, you know, those things are just as helpful. Yeah, I, you know, I guess it's looked down on. I don't, I don't know. I It could be our... You know, sometimes I think it's our sort of sober bubble that could kind of be making us think that, right? Like there could be a little bit of backlash, like certain, you know, you get online and you sort of get into these communities and there's backlash and weird, you know, kind of you see only certain things because, you know, we're also watching, my wife and I are watching this show Homeland, it's an older show, but, you know, there's a lot of faith in there that's, you know, about the Muslim faith and, um, you know, obviously terror, but it, it kind of even makes you kind of question, you know, what's going on there. But, you know, around the world, people are religious, right? And there's, it's been around forever and it's this community. And I don't know, I, uh, I think about it a lot. That's what I'll say. I haven't really dove in, but I think about it a lot. And I've had some really in-depth conversations with people about religion, um, people in my recovery uh, world. And, you know, I think there's there's something to it, right? And I think finding the right group is important. Yeah. You know, the right church or the right religion, whatever it is, I think it could be very helpful for some people, you know? Yeah, you know, it's definitely helped me a lot, so. yeah. Um, so obviously you are on this path. Um, what's the end goal for, for work? Is that, are you there? Is it, you know, do you have a a long-term goal plan? Where do you want to end up professionally? That's a hard question because I do love where I am. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, I think 
because I do want to get my MSW and LSW and everything and be a social worker too. Like having some kind of private practice would be awesome. Like I don't want to, like I want to set a goal, but I don't want to like set myself up for like expectations I can't meet. And it's honestly kind of rigorous even getting the C, like CDC official. Um, so I'm like working on that. Um, you know, cause you have to take like two tests and th those have never been like my wheelhouse. Like I hate taking tests. So just trying to work on my mindset with that, getting through them and, you know, and then I can officially be a CADC once I get all those things. So, um, you know, I've been kind of taking it one step at a time, but I think having some kind of private practice and honestly, actually, um, now that I think about it, I do have an angle. Um, I have a friend who's actually a Christian therapist, like a biblical therapist. And I think long-term eventually, like I want to get all my official state letters and everything, but I would like to also have that biblical therapy because I feel like kind of God's used me in that sense to be able to like, help people with their relationship with God. My current therapist is a biblical therapist. So it's like being able to turn whatever, you know, someone's going through and bring it back to the Bible and, you know, have that inspiration from there is, has definitely been helpful. So I think, you know, being able to do that, whether it's private practice, part-time, and that's the whole process in itself. <laughs> yeah. But you can blend your worlds a little bit too there. And I think that that's where life gets really um, fun and rewarding is if you could be doing sort of all the things you love at, at once, right? Like that's the ultimate goal. Um I my day job and my recovery world do not blend at all ever. Um, so I, you know, they're two separate paths and I can't, there's no way for me to, to mix them at any point in time. So, um, they just kind of exist separately, but if I could, I would 100% try to blend them. Uh, you know, your passion for, you know, religion and then your passion for recovery and, and helping people. I think it's super, um, it's a great goal. Um, I try to also ask people, I'm a big fan of media, like TV and books and music, and you had mentioned Matt Kearney. Um, what do you like to listen, watch, read? Do you take anything in? Some people just don't take stuff in. I don't know. So what do you guys, what do you guys get up to? Oh, um, so I mean... Reading-wise, I definitely have, like, devotionals and stuff I like to read. Uh, I'm working on, like, just reading the Bible again, too. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I sound like such a therapist, but I love, like, Melody Beattie, like, all her self-language of letting go and those readings. Um, music, I'm kind of, like, all over the place. I listen to, like, a lot of Christian hip-hop, um, you know, like, indie, like, Matt Kearney. I'm more, like, Christian indie, too. Um... And, I mean, I listen to some recovery podcasts sometimes, but I will say one of my favorite things to show, like, especially at work, um, is the Danny Trejo video okay. when he's at the roads. Um, like, especially if there's someone I know who's, like, new to recovery or something like that. Um, I even sent it to a friend when, like, her boyfriend was struggling, and I was like, send him, like, you know, watch this video. Like, it's Danny Trejo. He's, like, a, you know, movie star. And, I find, like, his speech so, like, inspiring and just funny. He's so. got, like, 50 years or something, right? I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's crazy. 
Um, Christian rap. Is that NF? Is that is he a Christian rapper? NF? Is that the guy? He's one of them. Yeah. I mean, because like a lot of like my music, like I listen to it in the car too, but like it's usually like what I'm working out to. So kind of like what am I, you know, setting on? And I still have like the playlist on my Spotify. Um, that's from like when I first got sober. So like lately, sometimes I'll be going through like seasons or just like, you know, whatever I'm going through and I'll still put it on and it'll kind of bring me back to like where I was and, you know, Matt Kearney's in there all those like songs that I like to listen to and even some that I've kind of like drifted from, but it's still nice to have that in there. And uh, TV, anything? We're a big Netflix family. Well, actually we're more like Amazon now. (laughs) So I can't say there's anything we're definitely watching, but I know once um, Crown comes back on, we want to watch it. That was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of what we watched before then, but I mean, we were big, the office people. That's a good one. Trying to think of what else. But yeah, I'm looking forward to The Crown, though. Okay, yeah, we have not watched The Crown, so I'll have to give that a shot. And The Office, we're pretty sure in this household that it could not be put on TV if it was made today. Like, that's how we feel about it. Well, and Seinfeld we actually watched recently, which is definitely another one of those, like, oh my God, <laughs> like, so very outdated. Yeah, yeah, it would be very hard to make it today, you know, but um, great shows. Well, listen, Sarah, I appreciate you being on tonight um, and sharing your story. I know it's not easy to to do that in public and with a group of people, but I think there's a value in it, and that's why I do this. Um, you know, if your story resonates with one person, that's one more one more person that we've managed to help right and that's the goal here is to pass it pass it along to somebody else um so you know i'm gonna link your uh, instagram again on the on the cover art and then we'll have it in the show notes and uh you know if you ever want to be on again if there's something that is is really up in your your mind that you want to get out feel free to reach out and um any last thoughts, any, any word of wisdom, one real tool that helps you kind of navigate your day? Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll end with this. Um, and thank you again for having me. So, uh, my Instagram name is progress, not perfection. So that's definitely one of the key, you know, things that I got when I first came in was, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist. So it's okay to, you know, look at the progress and how far you came and not be perfect. So, you know, definitely remember if you're struggling or you're trying to just come in um, or you're just new to this whole recovery world because it's definitely a world of its own that, you know, it's okay to not be perfect. And as long as you're trying, you know, there's definitely something to do, something to be said about like another day sober or at least trying. So. Great, great. Well, thank you very much for that. And everybody, we will be on again next week. Um, if you could like, subscribe, rate, do any of those things. I think it helps. And uh, thanks for listening.